As we conclude this teaching series, I want to talk about the hope that we have in Christ, and in particular, what that means for us as a church, as the body of Christ today. So I'm going to invite you to uh, turn on your Bibles, power them on, or open one up at home there, and turn to Hebrews chapter 10, beginning of verse 19, as we dive in to this passage. Let me give you a little bit of context. If you're new to the Bible, Hebrews is in the New Testament. And this was a a letter that was circulated within the Hebrew Jewish Christian community uh, after the time of Christ. And so as we read these words, I want to encourage you. The, the, The Jewish people and the Jewish Christians had endured a lot by this point. Emperor Nero had burned the temple in 70 AD. This letter circulated sometime after that. And so they understood what it was like to live during difficult seasons of life. So as I read the words here, I want to encourage you that this isn't just, you know, some type of nonsense. This was real meaningful things to that community all the way thousands of years ago, and I believe it'll be meaningful for us today. It says this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. If you're like, dude, I don't understand what they just said. Like, we believe that Jesus came, lived 30 years, three years of active ministry, was crucified as an atoning sacrifice for us on the cross. So that you just tuned in, you're like new to Christianity. We believe that Jesus gave his life for you and for me. And anybody could draw near to God. And this passage is talking about when he was crucified, the, the temple curtain was torn in two. See, you may have seen uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark back in the day. You remember the movie with Harrison Ford? And there's that moment where the Ark of the Covenant uh, is, is released and the presence of God resided there. That's what was in the most holy of holies in the temple of God. And it says that the temple curtain, which separated that from humanity, was torn in two when Jesus gave up his life. And that this high priest now made a way so that you and I could connect with the perfect God. It goes on and it says uh, in verse 22, let me say this again, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Let me say that again for everybody at home because I, I think this is really important for us today. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. I know some of us have lost hope and despair. Can I be honest? I was uh, driving to the building to, to share this message. And I actually saw all these empty restaurant parking lots and nobody out on the road. And then I passed a liquor store parking lot packed. And it just hit me that so many people in times like this are turning to other things than God. When we've lost hope and we're in despair, I believe as Christians, we must hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Verse 24, and let's consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Day capitalized because it's talking about the return of Jesus. See, my hope today is that wherever you're at, that you would know that the 
the God that gave his only son, that Jesus, God incarnate, who gave his life for us so that anybody could draw near to God, that we have a lot of hope in him. And that just because we can't meet together in a building doesn't mean that the hope of the church is not needed more now than ever. I believe that we actually, in times like this, have a lot to celebrate, and I wanna share some of that with you. But as we dive into this together, wherever you're at, just take a moment, close your eyes with me, and I'm just gonna lead us into prayer during this moment. God, as we look at Hebrews chapter 10, and we talked about the reality that we're facing and where we're turning to when we're in despair, in times of isolation like this, the lack of community that we aren't to give up meeting with one another, May this be a life-changing moment for the American church. That we would no longer live subserviently off to the side, that this is something we, church is something we attend, but this would be a life-changing moment that community and mission still happen even when we can't gather in a building. We surrender this morning to you. God, I believe that online right now there are sleeping giants of the faith Awakening to the reality of you that this could be a moment for us as the American church and the church globally to transform the culture around us. We love you, Jesus, and we give you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody digitally said, amen, amen. See, I love this passage, and it really encourages me. But can I tell you, uh, if we get real about this for just a second, this is also really hard. This last two weeks, for many people all over the globe, and especially as the pandemic has hit here in the United States, if you're watching from another country around the world, it's really changed some things in our culture. It's not just despair. It's like it's changed our calendars. And that bothers some of us. It makes us really busy. Can I be honest with you just for a second? Even, I know I'm a pastor, and like we've been preaching the last couple weeks about anxiety and worry, and like we've been telling you, you know, have hope in the Lord. And, but I've been more stressed out than I've been in years. How you been? And here's why. Because things are good at home, and I love my kids, I love my wife, but my whole calendar got totally flips upside down. Anybody agree with that at home? You want to raise that digital hand just a little bit? A couple of the, the band members that are in the room raising their hand. Yeah, it just it flipped our calendars upside down, and it's so frustrating. And we know that that's a first world problem, right? Like there are much worse things going on. And I heard from somebody today that lost their, their father. I didn't know the person, but lost their, their father to COVID-19. So whether it's our calendar, and I know that seems silly, but uh, it has stressed a lot of people out and caused a lot of anxiety, or whether it's much, something much worse, much deeper, the real realities of this virus and the things that we're facing, I want to tell you, we have an opportunity to choose how we respond, to choose how we respond. See, uh, a, a number of years ago, when the church was just getting started, we were eight and a half years old, and probably about five years ago, we were meeting in this little building uh, off of College Avenue, and, and many of you online were probably not there in those days, and uh, to be honest, it was a really hard time, because we were doing all these services, and we could only fit a tiny number of people in this little room, and we would have people sitting on the floors and parking in the grass, and you know, it's like raising young kids, you don't want to live through it. But when you look back at it, you're always like, those were the good old days. Like, those days were so much fun. And I remember during that season, uh, we didn't have a very big staff, and there was a new family that came to the church, and they wanted to, to, to meet with me. And back then, I had a little bit more freedom to be able to do some of those things. And it was Ethan, Ethan and Stephanie Fernhaber, which if those who are here in Indiana, you may know the Fernhabers. But 
uh, we decided we were going to get together to get to know each other for, for dinner. And they invited me over to their house with our family. And so my wife, Lisa, was going to come pick me up from the office and we were going to go to their house one night. And my wife, who is like, she always has to be 15 minutes early. She's not there when it's time to go. And I call her and she had completely forgotten the meeting. And so she didn't want to go anymore, and, and, and she's an adapter, so I'll tell you, she eventually changed her mind. But I called Ethan uh, Fernhaber, who we didn't know each other, just told him, look, we, we had an issue we forgot. We're going to be there like 45 minutes late. That's ridiculous. You still want to, he's like, actually, the electricity just went off in our house. He's like, I'm really glad that you're going to be late, but we may not have electricity tonight. I'm not sure how we're going to cook the food. And so he said, just come anyway. We'll just see what happens. So here's the long story short. We eventually go there that night. My wife felt super uncomfortable showing up that late. We get to the house. There's no electricity. Eventually, the electricity comes on. We had a great dinner. And that meeting beforehand, I just told my wife, I, we've been praying that a million people would come to Christ through the wake of impact that would occur through Mercy Road Church. And what if this family is one piece of that? And as we talked about that, we went there that night. We hit it off, and the Fernhabers have been the key leaders in our church. Many of you know Ethan has been behind the scenes helping a lot of the leadership stuff happen. His, his wife, Stephanie, is even on the, the leadership for the board of Nexus at the Northwest location. And so, so much kingdom work happened because of that. If I could just encourage you that sometimes it's our choice of how we respond to stressful situations that determine how God could use those difficult times. What if God wanted to use this time that we're all experiencing right now, this really super difficult time, to actually utilize it to impact you and your faith, to impact your family, to impact those in your sphere of influence, to awaken you to the reality of God? What if the faith that God has instilled in you could transform lives, could transform the course of human history, could bring help right now to an epidemic that needs it? In our culture, I believe that is the role for over 2,000 years of the local church. I believe that God wants to use you to do that very thing right now in your life and the lives of those around you. So if you're taking notes as we dive into Hebrews chapter 10 and we talk about the hope that we have, I encourage you, uh, I want to share with you that the challenge we have today as Christians is the same challenge that the early Christians had. So if you're taking notes, here's the deal. Big idea, real simple. The challenge to early Christians and to us, number one, draw near to God. Draw near to God. Really simple. Look at the verses uh, beginning in verse 22 with me. It says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. What if right now you could draw near to God because of the time you have? Your calendar's been thrown off. You have time. What if you did more than just Netflix? I hear there's some cool new shows out, but what if you drew near to God during this time? How could that transform your lives and the lives of those around you? Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. As Christians, we know the end of the story. That whether we're here for two years or 20 years or 200 years or 2,000 years more as humankind, we know that one day Jesus will return. And he will put the world right. And you and I will spend eternally in paradise with God. Now is our opportunity to draw near to him and hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. What would it mean for you to draw near to God with a sincere heart? See, I believe that every human being was created by God and has a space in their life that could only be filled by a relationship with God. 
You may not believe that. A lot of my, my friends and even some of my close friends, they don't believe that. They're not Christian. They don't believe that. They believe we're just here by chance. Maybe that's you. You don't believe, they, they believe that if you're just a, a good person and the good outweighs the bad, then that's kind of the goal of being a good person in this life. That's not the message of Christianity. That's not the message of Hebrews chapter 10. It says we should hold unswerving the hope we have to draw near to God while we have the opportunity. The Christian worldview is that God created you, redeemed you, and desires a relationship with you right where you are. Are you going to draw near to him during this season? Because the early Christians had to do it. It wasn't easy to be a Christian when they were circulating this letter. That's why they did it. Do you believe? It's a big question. Do you believe with everything going on our culture around us, do you believe that God is with us now? Do you believe that God is with you in your home right now? Wherever you're watching this? I believe that the God that created the universe in six days is with you right now, wherever you're at. And even when you don't feel him, sometimes he's carrying you. And I just want to encourage you to hear this this morning. I'm going to preach this morning by the end of this. And I want you to prepare yourself and challenge you that the early Christians chose, they chose to draw near to God when things were difficult. And point number two, if you're taking notes, that the Christians stood together. Our challenge, just like the early Christians, is to stand together during this time. Even as we have to do it digitally. And I want to share how we're going to do that as a church. See, it goes on in verses 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Can I be truthful? The messing up of my calendar has not encouraged me to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. It has caused me, and I, I had to confess to some of the staff this week, it caused me to like, say, let's take the hill and let's, let's do a lot of new stuff. And I really got convicted just this week that what we need to focus on more is just the needs of our community to love people well, to stand together during this time, to set the example for human culture of how to respond in times like this. See, we've said it before, but it was the Christians that ran into the great plague in Rome in the second century AD, and it's when Christianity exploded, sociologically speaking, to spread all over the Roman Empire and eventually around the world, and they could trace it back to that one moment. What if we stood together during this time to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Verse 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, many people say, well, I love God, but it's the people, it's the church, it's the Christians. I don't really love them because they're all hypocritical, right? And they're all superficial and fake and they're judgmental. You go on down the line. And I would just uh, challenge you back today that I believe we should not go uh, away from meeting with one another to spur one another on towards loving good deeds. They call the church the bride of Christ. To say that you love God and you don't love his bride is an oxymoron. You can't love God and not love others. We just talked about that in our last teaching series. If you love God, you will love others, knowing that we're broken, knowing that we're fallen. And so in times like this, we shouldn't give up a meeting with one another. We should all the more need a network of human support to surround us during a time like this, to encourage us in our times of trials. I saw a post on Facebook that some of the women in our church were looking for spiritual mentors right now because of the struggles that are going on around us. And, and I know that guys aren't too different in that capacity. That's why our discipleship huddles 
were uh, created in the first place. That's why we do what we do, to disciple people well during seasons like this. And I would just encourage you, if you don't have a Christian community, now is actually the perfect time to do it. It's never been easier in the life of our church. You're like, dude, we can't even get together. Get this. Do you know what happened for, for thousands of years in Christian history? They didn't have to meet in the building for the church to be the church and live on mission. When, when the Christians ran into Rome during the second century and the plague is growing on, did they run into Rome, gather in a large building and have a worship service? Is that what changed the course of human history? Being real, is that what changed it? No. It was inviting God into their lives that it caused them then to love other people well, that they didn't give up spurring one another on towards loving good deeds, meeting the needs of the community right now. If, you're not, if you need a discipleship huddle, we encourage you. Right now, we're going to have a link of a form that you can sign up for, for one of our discipleship huddles online. In fact, uh, our long-term sense of community, if we've already been through a discipleship huddle, is our, our outposts. In fact, our outposts, our microchurches living on mission, we're offering all of those as possible digitally online. And so whether it's a microchurch on mission, our outposts, or whether it's a smaller discipling community that's a closed-off community, both of those are offered online, and we're going to be starting a lot of new ones. In fact, we're giving you two resources. We've got an upgraded Zoom account, so you can get on Zoom and send it to everybody in your group, and you can be talking about all the things that are going on. And we also uh, have a service we were going to launch right now anyway. It's kind of cool timing. Right Now Media, which has tons of online Bible studies and teachings that you and your outposts or you and your huddle can walk through together, watch the teachings, and then discuss them in a Zoom call. And uh, let me tell you, I did it with my huddle last week, and it was really cool. It's actually way easier. You don't have to get ready and go meet people and do all that sort of, like, you just, like, the great thing about being online, man, you can have, like, a shirt and tie on, and then, like, you could be wearing shorts or something. Nobody cares. You don't even need to wear shoes, right? Like, just throw that hat on. That's all you got to do. It's a great thing about being online. There is no reason or excuse not to have community. What did it say there in verse 25? Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. We need community for times like this. And my fear is, since the days at College Avenue when our church began to grow rapidly and then moving into a a building in Carmel and, and now we own another building in Northwest and we're getting ready to launch Northeast and we've got a downtown location and very soon we're gonna have four churches and as we're doing all this, we have over 3,000 people now that consider Mercy Road Church their home church. If you are not connected to community in a huddle or an outpost long-term, you are not gonna have the support you need during this season. So we may even offer, if you're like, dude, I've never been involved, you could start an outpost. Email us, info at mercyroad.cc, or even uh, click the link and fill out the form right now in the chat on Facebook Live or mercyroad.tv, and we encourage you, encourage you, encourage you. You can get involved. You can take Right Now Media, just do a 10-week outpost. So you're going to say, hey, we're going to do this for 10 weeks, or we're going to do this until June 1st, and then we're going to reassess stuff. As things are changing, you can do it all online. Never a better time. If we draw near to God and stand together, anything is possible. Anything is possible. But we need to. We need the support network during the season. And for the thousands of people that call it their church home, if I'm your only connection, or Luke's your only connection, or John's your only connection, you're not going to have the support network that you need as we go through this together.
Finally, the third point, and I want to spend some time on this, is that we must, like the early Christians, hold unswervingly to hope. We read that verse, but maybe you need some clarity about the type of hope that we're talking about. Like the type of hope that Jesus talks about is not just an eternal hope, as I discussed earlier. It's also a practical here and now hope. Theologically speaking, the already but not yet. That God is already, his kingdom is already reigning. And here is what the the lengths that Jesus told us his kingdom could reign. I want you to look with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. To talk about the hope in Hebrews that they discussed. This talks about Jesus when he was still on the planet. So this happened before the letter to the Hebrews was written. And it says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? So he's got his disciples, which if you're new to Christianity, is essentially like the teenage youth group. These, these were young teenage guys that had followed Jesus and were traveling around as he performed miracles and did his ministry. And he's going to be traveling, and he stops off at Caesarea Philippi, which was where Philip the Tetrarch had uh, led this city uh, for the Caesar. And this, this city, we've even got a map that we can show you of where it lands on the map. And if you look at that map together, you can see that they're heading up to uh, Caesarea Philippi, way up north there. Along the way, Jesus had been traveling just a little bit earlier, the passage is earlier, from Bethsaida to Capernaum. And if you look where uh, Capernaum is, there is no reason traveling from Bethsaida to Capernaum that they should have gone through the city of Caesarea Philippi. So there must have been a reason that Jesus took the youth group on a little tour off to the side to Caesarea Philippi, particularly when you understand what Caesarea Philippi was like. See, this was the place, what happened in Caesarea Philippi stayed in Caesarea Philippi. You know what I'm saying? This was the place where they worshiped the false god Pan. If you're unfamiliar with Pan, he was the, the god of the underworld. He was the place in the underworld where uh, they, they would rise up there in the city of Caesarea Philippi, and I want to explain that for you. See, in verse 18, it says, in verse 18 of uh, Matthew 16, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So the way that you worship uh, this false god Pan, had horns, look like a goat, and all of that, you worshiped him at this particular place that was in the city of Caesarea Philippi. I've actually got a a picture of the rock of the cliffs. It was called the Rock of the Gods. And they would worship all these different uh, gods there, as you can see. Uh, They worship all these different uh, gods at that cliff. And at the bottom of the cliff, there was this uh, cave. And it's where pan worship occurred. And it was thought that Pan, who was the, the god of the underworld, would rise up from the underworld, Hades, and would rise up from that location. And he always carried a flute with him, you know, because he would uh, seduce the nymphs, which were these women, essentially, to come to form all kinds of sexual debauchery. In fact, the way that you worship, uh, that's where we get nymphomaniac from, by the way, but the way that you worship this false god was there would be all kinds of debauchery happening there during their festivals to worship the god Pan. And I don't want to get into the details of that in case you got family in the room, but you understand what I'm saying about debauchery. Like, it was X-rated really bad stuff. And so Jesus took the youth group there. Why did he do that? 
He stops off at a place that was way out of the way. Why did he do that? And he takes him to that place. And in verse 18, he says, And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, we've interpreted that in different ways. And I'm not saying the other ways are, are wrong. In fact, you know, if you grew up Catholic, they often think of that's the lineage of Peter was the, the first bishop of the church of Rome and the, essentially the first pope. And so he's talking about to build this, this church on Peter, who we called the rock. And, and I get that historically speaking. But as he's sitting there in Caesarea Philippi at the rock of the gods, where the gates of Hades is what they refer to that place, he is saying, you see all this sin and debauchery going on right around me? If you could think of any darker place where they're worshiping a false god of the underworld, he says, I'm going to take the youth group here, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against the power of God in this place. So if you're sitting at home and overwhelmed and you see all the brokenness and you're turning to despair, you need to hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess in Jesus Christ. And it is not a weak hope. It is not an apathetic hope. It is one that goes not only eternally, it goes to right here and now. And that the church of Jesus Christ would draw near to God during this season. And we didn't give up meeting together, but actually embraced it online. We could have all kinds of new community forming all over the world. We're prepared to have outposts start anywhere in the world. We're going to give you all the resources to do it. You got no excuse. What would it look like for you to use this? We have a choice of how we respond. My friend Ethan and my friend Stephanie, we've been living on mission together this last five years because we had a choice that night of how to respond, whether to to, to respond with despair and to just give up and to not meet or to continue on and say, what if God's going to be in the middle of this? What if he's going to take the bad things happen? He's going to use them for good. What if he did that? I believe it could transform not just the lives of people attending, it could transform millions, thousands of lives all over the world because of what we could do as a community together. And you know what else it would do? It would transform the way that people looked at and viewed the church today. They could say, these people are going to love each other well. They're not going to run away. They're not going to give in to despair. They're going to hold on swervingly to hope because the gates of Hades itself won't prevail. Even the youth group could understand that. I told you I was going to preach, right? I just want to challenge us, just like the early Christians, to hold unswervingly to that hope. We get to choose of how we respond. And as we close out, let me tell you how big God is. Right? I think sometimes, we're talking about sleeping giants of the faith. I believe that if you know Jesus Christ, the the temple curtain is torn in two. The Spirit of God no longer resides in a building in the most holy of holies in an inner chamber and now resides in this temple, which is the body of that God could literally dwell in your life. I believe that there is a spot in every human being that you were created on purpose and for a purpose. And there's a spot in everyone's life that only the God of the universe could fill. This is how big God is. When we first started the church, God laid on my heart three friends of mine from high school I had known most of my entire life One of them wasn't a Christian. One lived in Southern California. He's working for Entertainment Tonight. And I was crazy enough. I really believe God shared this. I sent an email to 40 people. Hey, I want to move from California to Indiana and start a church. And I believe three friends of mine from high school are going to help us. And the only three people that said they would help us start the church were those three friends. Two of those got baptized. One became a Christian. Him and his wife got baptized. And many of you have heard that story. 
I've seen time and time again the, the goodness and the glory of God and how he is living and active and to hold on to the hope unswervingly that he has given us. In fact, in 2000, I was just thinking about this in my own life. Here's, here's my story a little bit. In 2000, I really gave my life fully to Christ. I was a fraternity guy, and God transformed my life, and the old was gone, the new was come. I, I would go on to meet some of the people that would help us start this church, some of the first 12 to 20 people in the church. In 2003, I left everything and moved to California because I believed God wanted to use me in ministry. I never thought I'd be in a church context. Man, I never thought I'd be doing this. And I moved there because I had questions about the Bible and history and all kinds of stuff. And so I went to seminary in California. And, and while I was out there, I started working at a large church in Southern California, one of the first mega churches in California. And the, the lead pastor mentored me, and it changed my life as I grew and began to see that God had wired me in a way to do, to do ministry like this. And get this, in 2004, I was flying on an airplane from California back to Indiana to see my family uh, over the holidays. My parents still lived here. And, and on that plane, I sat next to a guy who had really fantastic hair. I mean, amazing hair. And his name was Darren Earlywine. 2004, many, many years before we started Mercy Road Church. And he was leading another church in the Fishers area. And as we discussed on the plane, realized I knew some of the people he was friends with, and we just became friends on Facebook. It had just launched. And what happened over time, when we moved here and we started the church, and I reached out to Darren and other people, began to see this community come together to live on mission. I want to tell you, you never know what God is going to do. I never thought I'd be sitting on an airplane next to the guy that I'd be preaching with for the last seven years. Never would have thought that would have happened. I never would have thought that Ben Glenn that just became uh, the Carmel High School pastor, that, that I would have worked for him when I was 19 years old. Never thought that would have happened. I never thought I would have met my wife in TJ Maxx in San Dimas, California, because San Dimas High School football rules. But I did. And it's been amazing. You never know what God is going to do. We have a choice of how we respond. Are we going to hold on to the hope unswervingly that he has promised to us? Are we going to live impossibly close to Jesus where he could use us for such a time as this? Are we going to give up meeting with each other and turn to despair? Are we going to hold on to that hope, meet with each other and believe the gates of Hades itself will not stand against us? I believe you will never know what God is going to do. I never thought that Ethan, Fernhaber, or Stephanie and that family would have played the role they did in our church and that it all came down to that one dinner that night. I never thought any of these things. I never thought that Pastor Luke, leading our Northwest location, that we'd hire him as our youth pastor and four years later, we'd be planting a church over there with him and he'd move here from Arizona. You don't know what God's going to do. Fraternity guys preaching and leading worship, right? Man, I'm telling you, if you use this season, the church of Christ will expand rapidly rapidly like it never has in human history what time in human history would we be able to develop community with one another without being able to meet face to face i believe what the enemy meant for evil god will use for good it's our time church it's our time to respond at the northwest location and the carmel location and the downtown church and the northeast church soon to launch i believe that god's on the move let's create community online and hold to the hope that we have unswervingly Will you pray with me? God, as we tune in from different parts of the world right now, I, I believe, God, that your Holy Spirit can be in all of those places 
And no matter what we're facing and the struggles and the hardships and how distant we feel that you are from us, that you are with us right now. Right now, he is with you in your room. He sees you right now. He knows the questions going on. He knows the doubts you have about how you're going to respond. But I believe there is at least one person, maybe many people, many, many people who you just came to this and you've watched this video and God is speaking to you through scripture and it's time to change. It's time to surrender. It's time to participate in the life of the local church again, to reach out and find community for the first time ever or in years. It's time, it's time, it's time. Don't be isolated anymore. Reach out today. If that's you in the room and you would like to respond to what God is doing right now in this moment, pray this silently as I pray out loud. God, I confess I need you you. I don't want to do life without you and without other people in my life. So on this day, I'm going to choose how to respond to believe that you could use any moment for good. And this hardship we're all enduring together that we don't want to see, God, we're praying right now, God, that you would change us. You would change us to love each other better, that we wouldn't turn to anxiety and worry. We would turn to you in the hope that we have to you. We would turn to each other. And so pray this with me right now. I surrender my whole life to you, Jesus. I believe and receive your eternal salvation. I believe the gates of Hades won't stand against us. And I'm going to stand together with other believers during this season. I'm going to find community right where I can online. I give you my whole life. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity. And we worship you together as a church family. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's family said, Amen.